The Simon Shore Podcast is presented by Boxscore Network. Boxscore Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, and fantasy advice? Check out Boxscore Network. Follow Boxscore Network on Twitter at Bscore Network for updates. Oh, hi, and welcome back in to another episode of the Simon Short Podcast. I'm Simon Short. We have a super fun episode for you all here today. First time guest, longtime pal, Andy Lohman of Because CONCACAF is here. We're going to talk about Because CONCACAF, Andy's podcast with our buddy Dom Palumbo here in a little while and throughout this pod. But Andy, first off, welcome in. Welcome to the Simon Short Podcast. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Uh, great to be here. I am but a humble amateur podcaster that talks about niche soccer topics. You're out here, you know, ranking offensive lines and citing DVOA stats. So humbled to be here. It's just doing what we do, man. I do have DVOA pulled up. We are gonna we are gonna dive into that a little bit. I'm sure you're very excited. Uh, Andy is here to talk to us about first off the Green Bay Packers. Andy is a longtime Wisconsin sports fan. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, I'm sure in general, do oh, we haven't even. And this whole pre-recording stuff, we haven't talked about Damian Lillard. Oh my gosh, we we might get into that at some point randomly. I just remember that. Um, I do have a Damian Lillard note buried in my uh, in my notes I, for later in the episode. I, I I love it. I love it. Uh, so we're gonna talk Packers here at the top. We're gonna talk NBA in-season tournament. Um, I haven't really done that on this podcast. I think when it was first announced. I did a little bit of it. I think it might have been an episode while Smick was on. Uh, listeners of this pod will know my NBA pods with Smick. I, I should have another one here coming up to preview the season here soon. Um, but we'll do a, a deep dive into the in-season tournament. Andy will bring his knowledge of all things soccer because that is where this whole idea originally came from. So we'll we'll dive into that and what we think that could be like for the NBA this season. And then we'll end in just what's happening in the soccer world kind of this month and in the, for the rest of the fall Things Andy will be talking about on Because CONCACAF, um, his weekly podcast. So make sure you guys are following. Subscribe to that. Make sure you're following Andy and Dom on Twitter. I'll have all those tagged uh, in the episode description and whatnot. But Andy, let's get into it, man. So Green Bay Packers, there's a million directions we could go with this. But I first want to take you all the way back. And just sitting here after week five of the NFL season, the Green Bay Packers traded Aaron Rodgers, who was obviously there for a long time won a super bowl gonna be a hall of famer um packers you know you, you could care if you want about what you got in the trade at this point it was a two-spot move up in the first round of 2023 draft a second round pick that year and what will be a second round pick in the 2024 draft you could just talk about aaron Rodgers and that trade if you want to uh, smirk and mock and laugh at the fact that he's sitting out right now and still on pat mcafee's podcast you can do that <laughs> aaron Rodgers, as a packers fan you know that whole deal how are you feeling right now well it helps that hindsight's 2020 um i was i think it just was at the point where it was time for everyone to move on it reg- like you said regardless of what the return was it felt like the relationship was just untenable and it just felt like time you have Jordan love in the wings for so long at some point, he just has to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was completely fine with it. I mean, the, it felt like that saga went on for months and mm-hmm. I just, I wouldn't even follow it. I was just would check Twitter. Like, did it happen today? No. Okay. Moving on. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a weird moment. Cause it's, you know, like you said, it's a guy who's won a super bowl. He's won 
a bunch of MVPs, so many great memories, obviously this huge figure in the team. And it's, you always kind of want guys like that to end their career, kind of like a Donald driver. Like he just, you know, plays for the same team the whole time. But uh, yeah, I just, it got to the point and like the weird Pat McAfee podcast appearances did not really help. That's like, all right, man, uh, you have fun in New York with that. Uh, We're going to move on with Jordan Love. Um, So yeah, I mean, I have no, I don't necessarily have any like ill will towards him, but I am complete. I was completely fine with that trade, and I think I'm still even more fine with it. Considering, I mean, it didn't. It did not look. I can't believe like when his Achilles like snapped. Like ESPN got like a really good look of it, and you can physically (laughs) see it. I can't believe he wasn't writhing on the ground in pain, like any normal human being. Maybe it's the ayahuasca. I don't know. (laughs) Um, That was impressive alone to not just like crumble into a puddle because I I would have. That's what I would have done. Oh, absolutely! I, yeah, you could have gone with a number of jokes there uh, on on why it maybe didn't. Maybe he was preemptively listening to dolphin sounds before the before the show or yeah. before the injury. <laughs> um, I remember sitting there, tuned into the game, and you see him. He's hugging like actors on the sideline. Like who who was it from the office that that was there? Uh, I think uh, it was Kevin, Kevin from the office. Thank you, Kevin from the. And he's just like, like it felt like it, it's like when you watch the um like like aau basketball players there are like highlight videos and half of it is just them like talking to people on the sideline like it was like that and i was like this feels weird something weird is gonna happen obviously didn't think this is what was gonna happen but um just a crazy crazy ordeal and you know the, the everyone on all sides is probably like okay at this point right like the jets well maybe jets fans aren't necessarily great right now but at least they can hang their hat on they're only sending a second round pick. Um, Zach Wilson looked somewhat okay in one game, which is exciting. Packers fans, we we have some stuff to look forward to. We're going to talk about that next. Um, and it's just that sense of that sigh of relief of just like, okay, this is done. Because even on the Jets side, like they got the guy and all indications are he's going to be there next year. So it's like, okay, just red your ear, whatever's going to happen now. But um, yeah, that, that all makes sense. I remember... Uh, before the trade to the Jets happened, texting you in the height of the Aaron Rodgers to the Steelers stuff. <laughs> and it was probably my first text to you in like six months at least. And it was just like, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Steelers, you're going to come on my podcast. And we had never even talked about the podcast being a thing, like anything. And you were just like, yeah, sounds great. I can, I, I look forward to the day. And just the I, I will always have the Twitter – videos of the Tomlin to Rogers looks ingrained in my brain. And I will always be thankful that that is not, uh, that is not my, my current present, but let's talk about the Packers current present. And you mentioned it, Jordan love. It's time to see what he's about. He's got the five starts this year under his belt. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on Jordan love so far in, in his, um, in his tenure as the starting quarterback for the Packers? I'll start by just kind of going big picture. It's just kind of a weird year to be a Packers fan. This is, and I have absolutely zero right to complain. I've in my lifetime, we have had basically, this is now our third real starting quarterback and with two Super Bowls in there as well. Uh, I do have immediately off the bat here, a trivia question for you. So, so Brett Favre initially was, he won the starting job in 1992. um, But he, the first full season of like full 16 games was 93. 
So from 93 to 2022, so 30 seasons, seven men have started at quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. I'll give you the two easy ones off the bat. Brett Favre had 240 starts. This is just regular season. Like he had a bunch of playoff starts too. Aaron Rodgers is in second with 223. Can you name any of the other five? Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn is in fourth. He has six starts. Got a fat payday from the from the Seattle Seahawks before promptly losing the starting job to Russell Wilson. And then he actually came back at a second stint as the Packers and got a couple starts in 2013 too. So that, that is one. It's four more. Was there a hassle back in there somewhere? Nope. There was another former Seahawk though. Oh. Um. Oh my gosh. Another former Seahawk. And the this uh, this former Seahawk had one start for the Packers. It was his last NFL start. What year was that? Uh, twenty thirteen. Was this Jackson something Jackson? I have no idea. No. You got me. Seneca Wallace. Seneca. Wall- oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, give me the other ones. This is incredible. So in third, mind you, again, Rogers is in second with two hundred twenty three starts. Third place is. Has nine starts. Brett Hundley in 2017 when Rodgers hurt his collarbone. Uh, uh, definitely more notable for his like UCLA career in the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Mentioned Matt Flynn was in fourth with six starts and fifth with two starts. This is like real NFL sickos. Scott Tolzing. Yeah. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was also in that 2013 season when Rodgers hurt his collarbone for the first time. Tolzing is a Wisconsin sports legend, though, because he played for the Badgers. There you go. Won the champ sports bowl, led them to a Rose bowl. Um, he's currently the quarterback's coach for the Cowboys. I didn't even realize this until I was doing research for this. So I guess he got the Mike McCarthy connection there. Yikes. Um, yeah. Seneca Wallace had one. And then Jordan love when Rogers had COVID got one start. So wow. this is all of that, just to give you the background of, we have had an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position. You look at other teams, the ones that come to mind, like commanders, Browns, jets, have probably mm-hmm. had like quadruple that number, if not yep. more, yep. in that time frame. So I really am just approaching this from a joke to you earlier. We're basically a G League team. It's basically a developmental season, which is fine. Like this, the wide receiver room is probably about as inexperienced as you can get on an NFL roster. And not that there aren't talented guys like Christian Watson is obviously good. Yeah. Romeo Dobbs, I think, has a lot of upside. Jaden mm-hmm. Green, I think. Jaden mm-hmm. Reed, excuse me. I think it's been pretty impressive this year. And then there's just a bunch of random replacement level, like XFL level guys. And I, I say as someone who has never achieved anything athletically in his life. And then like not to be the guy that complains about injuries because it's affected every team in the history of football. But still, you have David He's Bakhtiari, first team all pro left tackle, has missed four games. Aaron Jones is a Pro Bowl running back. He has missed three games. Christian Watson, who I guess is our wide receiver one, has missed three games. So I, it's hard for me to evaluate really much this year. I, I've been in, I've seen a lot of flashes out of Jordan Love that I enjoy. There's been some good moments. The comeback against the Saints was fun. Like he pushes it down the field. You can see that he can make the throws. He's making plays with his feet. You know, there's some negative moments. The interceptions completion rate is not great. Blowing the lead against the Falcons is not great. Um, I'm not thrilled with the new world order of the Lions being a relevant franchise. Don't love that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 mostly an it it is what it is season for for the Packers, which is a super lukewarm take. But as long as I, I, I was talking to my dad, so my dad was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin, born and raised, went to University of Wisconsin. So I was brainwashed from an early age to like Wisconsin sports. That's why we're talking about this, even though I grew up in Northern Virginia. And he and I are actually technically both owners as well of the Packers. Like he got a share, and then he got me yeah. one coolest birthday present ever a couple of years yeah. ago. So we have some like skin in the game too. Make some calls, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we were talking before the season. We both kind of agreed like as long as Jordan Love looks good and is progressing, and the team looks respectable, regardless of playoffs, that's probably a successful season. And I think so far that's kind of I, I would say that's where we're at. I mean, two and three. The Lions game, you know, it's a two-score game for most of it, so you're not getting blown out. It was not great. Everything else, even the losses are a one-score game. Gain two wins. Beating the Bears is obviously the most important thing. It's like, regardless, like, they're a poverty franchise and we're better than them, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters, right? <laughs> could be could be two and, two and 15, and, and everything would be good to go. The, um, yeah, on, on Jordan Love, um, what – for for young quarterbacks, I feel this way about Anthony Richardson with the Colts too, and to a lesser extent Bryce Young and, and C.J. Stroud because of their accuracy acumen. But these young quarterbacks who it's tools-based, 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 we know the accuracy is an issue. The first thing I want to see is I almost want to see like everything that happens in a play up until the point where the ball hits the receiver's hands, which is like an insane thing to say. Like it's it's like fundamentally the idea of football is for the ball to always be in somebody on your offense's hands until it gets across the goal line, right? That That's the whole idea of it. And if the ball's not in one of your players' hands, that's a problem. But I want to see Jordan Love snap the ball, Know what he's doing in the offense first, so not be not be frazzled in the pocket. Move in the places of the pocket that he needs to when he does. I want to see him uh, read the field, go from spot to spot in his progressions, understand kind of where the defense is, and then I want to see the ball thrown in a way that makes me think that's an NFL quarterback's arm, right? That that's what I want to see right now. I think we've gotten Later glimpses on, of that. It's, it certainly that. is not every snap, but I think we're getting glimpses. I think until the Lions game, those first three games, I thought you you get all of that. Then the Lions yeah. game, I think, kind of maybe broke him a little bit in terms of the knowing where the defense is at all times. That was the Alex Anzalone interception, one of those right in the middle of the field, which was tough. Yeah, um, it's not great. And then it kind of it kind of carried over into the, to the Raiders game a little bit. Uh, my guy Bobby Spillane, Robert Spillane, with the the Victorian R and S tattooed on his triceps, uh, get his couple interceptions. Um, but you see the rest of it, right? And, and until that, uh, and, and until like next year, right? That's my expectation. And and then I'm looking for, okay, you've got the year under your belt. You've got the year of chemistry with all those young guys, all those young guys are going to be a little bit better. Um, now I need to see the ball hit, the hands of of your teammates because you mentioned it right now among the like 33 quarterbacks that qualify he's last in completion percentage and 28th and in passing success rate but like it looks like a real offense right and it's and and part of it the design of the offense is he's pushing the ball downfield more than eight ninety percent of the other quarterbacks so there's a lot of deep shots there's a lot of long developing plays and you mentioned i think the most important thing 
Aaron Jones, not even just Bakhtiari, because Bakhtiari's been out for years. You couldn't have really expected him to play 17 healthy games. But Aaron Jones is is not playing, right? He how quickly did he go out of out of the first game and and or out of the second game? And, and in game one, what nine carries for 41 yards? Was it just the one catch, the 51 yard screen for a touchdown? So like he was supposed to be like 80% of this offense. And, and now it's Jordan Love makes something happen with these 23 and under wide receivers. So, and like I'm AJ Dillon, about... I think AJ Dillon has a lot of value as a second back, but he really yeah. brings that value as kind of a change of pace bruising yeah. guy. And that's really hard to be the main ball carrier when you don't have the Aaron Jones complimenting him. Yeah, it's it's tough. So I like Jordan Love. I think everything that I want to see from him to this point, um, maybe maybe it's I'm I'm not quite where I was a couple of weeks ago when I said they should just give him a starters contract right now. Maybe, <laughs> maybe TBD. Wait till maybe wait till the end of the season. Then it'll be fine. Um, but I, I feel pretty good about Jordan Love. Um, you were talking about like expectations and like kind of the Lions and and what were you? feeling are you feeling any different now than you were at the beginning of the season were you getting a little more hyped up as the season kind of came to or is this kind of about what you expected i'd say mostly the same i may have gotten i may have started to get a little bit hype after the saints come back i'm like oh man we might have something here yeah but i also think it's just such a small sample size we're really not going to get a big enough sample size i think until the end of the year to like really evaluate like okay where is jordan love like after five weeks and I've definitely, I've certainly seen some hot takes, you know, on the Packers, uh, internet verse. Um, and, and I think this a season like this is almost kind of beautiful, where you can let him make mistakes because, like, the stakes are so low. You know, like I would rather you make those mistakes. Okay, throw two interceptions against the Raiders and figure it out mm-hmm. as you go along throughout the year and figure it out and grow. It is very rare to have a. NFL ready quarterback just off the vine, you know, it just, it takes some seasoning and it's, it's nice to, I mean, it's not nice. I'm trying to talk myself into not being a playoff <laughs> contender. Um, you know, it is what it is. Like the stakes are very low. So I, th- I think I'm, I'm mostly at the same level. I'm not hitting the panic button. It is what it is. We're two and three. It's about average. I expect us to be around 500, like nine or eight or eight or nine. And I think that's as long as Jordan love looks like he's continues to progress. I I am content and I'll just, remember that uh 2010 super bowl against the steelers my friend that was tough man i don't know i don't know why you had to throw that um that's it for the simon short podcast everybody thank you all so much for that (laughs) um let's see uh yeah i had them at eight and nine going into the season i uh i I was saying this on on the stat sheet podcast going into the season i think everybody felt that way and everybody feel felt the way you do and did all like post Aaron Rodgers trade, everyone was like, okay, deep sigh of relief. Like we could just see what all these young guys are. They can make every, any mistake they want. The Lions look like they're going to win the division. So like, just like whatever, roll with it, see what happens. And then it came down to everyone's preseason prediction time and even like national media and everybody, and everyone just got really tense. It was like, are we really going to say the Lions are going to win this division and not the Packers? And like a lot of people were like, you know what? No, Jordan Love, he's going to do it. And like Matt LaFleur and like, and I think last minute, everybody started to turn on their heads a little bit. And now we're kind of because we're getting what we expected for three months, but we're getting it, you know, five weeks in the season. I think now everyone's starting to hit the panic button. But this is completely on on track to me. And you you said it. the first three games looked so promising. I mean, 
completely routing the Bears in week one, which now we know. Yeah, okay. You, you can everybody can do that to the Bears defense. Um and then that that Falcons game, which the Falcons showed a little something this past week, but we're kind of iffy before that. Um the the Saints, you had the Derek Carr getting hurt in the in the second half of the game. So like there was there's things you can look back on, but you said it. The the whole thing is the offense and Jordan Love and does that at least look like it makes sense and feels like you can hang your hat on. Um that's the that's the goal. Um Last real thought I have on the Packers here, last real question, I don't have a ton of thoughts actually, is is just Matt LaFleur. Like, how, how are you feeling about the head coaching situation? Were you – because there, there was a lot of this, oh, now we'll find out if he's good or not because Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Were you kind of in that boat or are you kind of in like, guys, he has like an over 70% win percentage um, for his career. You you do that with any quarterback and – it, it doesn't matter. Like you're a good coach. Like how are you feeling about him? And and in these five games, just how are you seeing him with the, the, this young team? Do you feel like there's like development there? Do you feel still confident in him as the coach? So for your listeners, that are not as familiar like with me and because CONCACAF's shtick is I just love obscure sports and obscure references. So you mentioned that we're going to talk about Matt LaFleur. So I had to do a little bit of research. I don't know if you knew this. Matt LaFleur played two seasons of arena football in his career, not the arena football league. We're talking like below that with the Omaha beef, which is such an amazing name. My dad actually lives in Omaha right now. (laughs) And then the Billings outlaws Billings as in Billings, Montana. So Matt LaFleur arena football legend to actually answer your question. I just throw obscure nonsense at you. Yeah, I'm fine with him. I mean, yeah. Career record of 51 and 25 for a 671 win percentage. It is so hard to find good coaching at the NFL level. The coaching carousel that happens every year and the amount of guys that rotate in and out. I am completely fine with Matt LaFleur. I mean, I would I love some better decision-making in the playoffs? Thinking specifically about like the COVID year NFC Championship when he decided to go for a field goal when we needed eight points. Yes, I would love that. But he is also very young and learning. Um yeah, I, I think as of right, and especially like this season, like you're not going to get a good analysis of his coaching abilities with, you know, random Juco guys playing wide receiver. Um, I, I think the amount of regular season games won before is really more indicative of how good of a coach he is over a much bigger sample size. And yeah, he had Aaron Rodgers, but it was like a, you know, back half of his career past his prime Aaron Rodgers, so... And and a huge thing as a Steeler fan, a huge thing for me in coaching is just like it's so much of the stuff you don't see as well. And so now in these last three, four years, when we see how much of a weirdo Aaron Rodgers is, and it's like, man, you got like a real football team like around that guy as the centerpiece for that long. And oh, by the way, two MVP seasons with with that kind of and like the Steelers are that way with like. Man, Antonio Brown was was on his way to doing this. Le'Veon Bell was on his way to doing that. And she's like, that, like, that's coaching. And that's something that people who are are just strictly fans, you know, we've talked about about this, like people who have coached or worked or or been around sports, anything like that up close. There's so much of coaching you don't see. And yeah, just because the team on the field doesn't make one play that you wanted or gets to the divisional round instead of the conference semifinal or conference final, whatever. There's so much other stuff that goes in. So if you have sustained winning for a long time and not a lot of locker room drama and the team 
generally is playing hard and seems to be playing for the guy, like that's a good coach. And you just, you just hang on to him and, and you keep it rolling. Um, Mike sure. Tomlin's do not grow on trees. No, they do not. And same thing. Like there, there's some things that I will forever, you know, it's just, it's like having, having a partner, like having a pal, having a, like anything like they're, you, you got to love them even for their faults. And there's some things that I certainly don't like Matt Canada, but um, <laughs> you just got to take the good with the bad. All right. Anything else Packers or NFL you want to get out there? Any other random complete nonsense that you, that you found that you need to use uh, before we move on? No, I think I got all my obscure references in. I appreciate that. Fantastic. Look, man, this is, I told you, this is, this is what I need from you. Um, This is why you are here. I, I created things for us to talk about, but it's mostly just so you can spew whatever nonsense you want. Hey everyone, I'm Ronan Summers and I want to tell you about the Stat Sheet Podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear me and my co-hosts break down the biggest games and analyze what's happening around the NFL. Follow the Stat Sheet Podcast on Twitter at the Stat Sheet Pod and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker. And I'm Robert Zenvire, and we are the Odds on Favorite, presented by Boxcore Network. Every week, we analyze NFL point spreads, over-unders, props, futures, and much more. Follow us on Twitter, at Odds on Favorite, and listen on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We are going to move on to this next topic here which I'm sure will invite much nonsense, and it's the NBA in-season tournament. So just to give everybody the what is the NBA in-season tournament, in case you missed it, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has been trying for years, and I think David Stern was even trying to do this um, in his later years uh, of uh, his commissionership. We are adapting a soccer-styled, or soccer, I should say, influenced in-season tournament to try and make the regular season as relevant, as important as possible in the NBA. The NBA is still, I roll, 82 games long, and we have seen load management. We have seen important guys get hurt. We have seen the back-to-backs and triple back-to-backs and two days, all this stuff that talks about how grueling the season is. And for fans, we're trying to we want this to be as entertaining as possible. So here's the NBA in-season tournament to try to hype everybody up. And between the dates of, I think, November 3rd and December 9th, the NBA in-season tournament is exactly what it sounds like. In-season competition, all 32 teams are involved in. It's composed of a group stage and then a knockout stage. There are six groups of five teams each divided by conference. To determine the groups, teams were randomly assigned within their conference by their record from the previous year. So teams one through three in the conference were split, then four through six, seven through nine, and so on. The winner of each group plus one wild card team, which is just the remaining team from the three groups with the best record um, from both conferences, go into an 18 knockout round. The other 22 teams um, that aren't in the knockout round just have some really elaborate formula to basically play each other to get their games because all of the games in this tournament, other than the championship game, are part of the regular season schedule. Um, so even the teams that, let's say, go to this 18 quarterfinal, the teams that don't make the semifinal, they all have some cut formula to play each other for their remaining games, so, so on and so forth. Um, 
for the teams that and and all of the stats also kind of factor in. So that was a big thing with the in season tournament. Okay, what counts towards stats which are important for contracts and and MVPs and and All Star games things like that. So group stage through November to December. It's not every night of the week. It's not one big tournament. It's like one night a week. Um, those games are in season tournament games, and, and they're just trying to make the the middle of the season more interesting. So. Before I kind of give my my general thoughts on this, I just want to kick it to you, Andy. Uh, tell me why this would work. The Owen Wilson, why, why, why? Tell us why <laughs> this works or doesn't work in the world of soccer um, and why it will or won't work in the NBA this season. So my like thesis statement level take on this is that I love the idea. Like as a concept, I kind of hate the way the NBA is executing it. Mm. Um. For starters, calling it the in-season tournament is just incredibly lame. Like you couldn't, surely you had a sponsor somewhere that you could slap on that, like the the Sprite Cup or something. So, so back in 2020, when you know every major sports league in the world is trying to figure out, you know, what the hell to do, Major League Soccer posted up at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex and held what they called the MLS is Back Tournament. That was the name of it. And really? so that that is, and I ironically just love that because it's just a ridiculous thing to call a competition. So that's kind of the same energy we have going on here with the in-season tournament. Um, so yeah, like you said, I mean, it's definitely inspired by, you know, kind of the European Cup competitions. Um, honestly, I actually think it's not that similar to those competitions. Really, the closest compar- comparison is the WNBA's Commissioner's Cup, yep, um, which they implemented about three years ago. So in that competition, similarly, it's basically just the first regular season home game and then away game that you play against anyone in your conference. Those just count towards the Commissioner's Cup standings. And then at the end of those standings, the top Eastern Conference team, the top Western Conference team would play for that title. Um, so that's really more of kind of what the NBA is. So this is probably the point where I'm going to get incredibly nerdy and explain, you know, how the European, you know, kind of style works. So the best and oldest and, and most famous famous example of this is the FA Cup in England. So we're going to go back to like James Naismith level history of like the founding of the sport uh-huh. as we know it. So like people across the globe from many different cultures for centuries have been playing some kind of game where you kick a ball around. But it wasn't really like codified into like a legitimate sport until the mid 19th century. So around this time, you know, football type games are being played at what are essentially private high schools in England each school kind of with their own unique version. So as these students got older and became adults and went off to college and, you know, are carrying the, this tradition of the sport and this culture forward, the need became apparent to have just like one central version of the rules. So as they met to try and hash this out, a version from the rugby school kind of eventually was a, a branching out kind of an offshoot um, became its own thing called rugby football which is the sport that we know today, obviously, as rugby, which is kind of an interesting offshoot of this. Mm -hmm. Um, The sport that they branched away from uh, was organized under an organization called the Football Association. So that ended up being Association Football. Uh, Football Association is FA for short. Um, Fun fact, so that version, that Association Football, that is where the term soccer comes from. So the SOC and the word association is from Association Football. So if any British person ever tells you it's football, not soccer, tell them to kick rocks. And that they're wrong. It came from their country. So now we have we have a set of rules. We have a governing body. 
we're mostly just playing kind of one-off games against each other at this point. So, you know, let's set up an organized competition. So before a formal league, like we would know it, like the Premier League or the NBA is formed, we played the first FA Cup in 1871-72. Single elimination tournament. Uh, if a game ends in a tie, uh, obviously a little bit more common than in the NBA, um, they just replay the entire match on a later date. They don't even go to overtime. It's like we're just going to redo the whole thing. Um, for historical context, like at the time this is happening, Ulysses S. Grant is the United States president, like the Civil War general, and the U.S. is in the middle of Reconstruction. So because this has been going on for so long, it is like so ingrained in the culture, and that's one reason why I'm a little skeptical about the success of this in NBA context, because that's just a level of culture that is just not a part of basketball right. culture. Yeah. Not necessarily a good or a bad thing, it's just not a part of it, whereas mm -hmm. it is such a part of soccer culture. So that is one reason why I'm a little skeptical without some other guardrails. Um, so, so the modern version of the FA Cup, though, is, in my opinion, one of the coolest soccer competitions out there. So obviously a big feature of soccer leagues around the world is multiple divisions or tiers and promotion and relegation among them. So, you know, if you're the champion of the third division one season, you earn a place in the second division next year. If you come in last place in the fourth division, you know, you're playing in the fifth division the following season. The beauty of the FA Cup and, and similarly, similar cups in other countries around the world, they all have kind of basically followed the structure with some, some slight variations in between countries. It includes every team from every level. For, so for England, that goes all the way down to level nine and includes like 700 teams. Now, generally, your top level teams get buys into the later rounds, uh, but still, like you're playing your Premier League team playing up against a team in like the fourth division. So this is not like a perfect metaphor, but it would be like if we had a tournament with every NBA team and then also every G League team and like every team from the NCAA, like divisions one, two, and three. Again, these are happening concurrently with the regular season, but they do not count as regular season games. It is a completely separate thing, separate competition. Also, no group play. You know, it's all still single elimination. So one of the most fun elements of this is when a lower division team beats a Premier League team. Because, I mean, you know, just in a one-off game, any given right. Sunday, you know, mm -hmm. anything can happen. It's often re referred to as a cup set or like a giant killing. They're huge moments, you know, filled with drama and emotion. And I feel like the capitalistic tendencies of American sports probably mean that that won't ever happen here at that level. Like, I, I can't see Mark Cuban giving, like, Gonzaga an opportunity to, <laughs> off, like, knock off the Mavericks. Like, even if that's unlikely, like, he's not going to give them the chance to do that. Um, there, there is an American soccer version of this. It's called the U.S. Open Cup. Um, it's been around since 1914. So it is the oldest American soccer competition. It's had an interesting history. Um, you know, before any soccer leagues ex existed in America, you know, there were still lots of different immigrant groups playing the game across the country. Italians, Greeks, Germans, Mexicans, Hungarians. MLS seems generally win it every year now. Um, although in 2022, a second division team called the Sacramento Republic FC did make the final. The last non-MLS team to win it was a team called the Rochester Raging Rhinos back in 1999. Uh, this year, Houston Dynamo uh, won the final against Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami is the team Lionel Messi plays for now. Uh, Messi was hurt and did not play. James Harden is a partial owner of the Dynamo, so he was in the building for the trophy presentation, so that was pretty cool. That's relevant to this podcast. to see a championship. Yeah, that's good. It might be the only ring he ever has. Uh, he did take a brief uh, reprieve from like his Daryl Morey like propaganda slander campaign to go watch some soccer. So it's good to see. 
What concessions was he eating? Do we know? Was he was there like three hot dogs and, and two slices of pizza on on the plate? Do we... I didn't see him eat anything. He was definitely in like a VIP area with like an entourage. So I imagine there was like yeah, there were snacks, some consumption was... of various things at some point. Um, I mean, it, it happened in Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale. So I imagine mm-hmm. South Florida is a good place to win a championship, and James Harden's you know expertise in a we'll say adult establishments. Probably help that team, you know, take that trophy on a on a journey that night. He, so. he knew how to celebrate a uh, pizza party for everybody. So another play, element at play here with, you know, cup competition is incentives. So obviously there's, there's a monetary reward for advancing into the rounds and winning, you know, plus the glory of, you know, hoisting a trophy and your fans getting to brag about a championship. But generally the winners of these competitions um, earn a berth to Champions League or, you know, kind of the subsidiary competitions. For those who aren't familiar, that's kind of like intracontinental tournaments where, you know, the best of the best teams from each country play against each other for a European or, you know, African or North American regional championship. The UEFA Champions League, which is the European version of this, that is probably the most coveted club trophy you can win in soccer. Obviously, the World Cup for international, but UEFA Champions League, that's like the cream of the crop. So the FA Cup, you actually don't get a berth to the Champions League. You get to the Europa League, which is like kind of like the NIT of Champions League, but there's still like like playing in these European competitions is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a sporting incentive behind it as well. The, and there is a Champions League in European basketball, like Euro League. When people refer to Euro League, they're actually Mm -hmm. talking about like that Champions League, which is a big deal, like for those teams and and for those fans. I don't know if you've ever seen like videos of like Greek or like Spanish basketball, like when like Rick Bettino was coaching Olympiacos randomly, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. they get into it. Um, And this this might be a debate for another time, but I do think it would be cool to see NBA teams face off against some of those European champions. Um, it would also put to bed the debate of like NBA champions versus world champions and get Noah Lyles to it. shut up. I would love it. Um, so I, I think a fatal flaw in this whole endeavor for the NBA is that there's really no on-court incentive for winning. And we also, then you don't have the cultural background like to make it a meaningful pursuit on its own. So it feels really gimmicky, like I, the, especially the fact that like most of these are just like regular season games. Like you're not going to be able to tell what's what. Like so, to me, it would be really cool if this if this in season tournament had some kind of impact, like on the playoffs. Yep. I'm just completely spitballing here, but like, you know, maybe like the winner like is guaranteed home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, or like starts their first round series just like with a one and zero advantage, or that like incredible <laughs> gets a bye to the conference semifinals, like any number of like. Yeah, you can slide the scale, but like give like some kind of or like, you know, if a, if a non-playoff team wins, they just like automatically, you know, get a berth. One other proposal I've seen kind of floated out on like NBA Twitter is to like get rid of the draft lottery and hold a cup style tournament with all the teams that didn't make the playoffs and the winner gets the number one pick. That would also mm-hmm. be would be cool. Um, So I just talked at you for a long time about cup competitions, anything I did not cover in that rant. No, that was incredible. It's like when you have your your favorite musician that for, let's say, just like years you've only ever listened to uh, on. Well, I was about to say the radio, but let's say your streaming service of choice and then you get to go live to a concert and you sit in the front row and see it up close. So I just got a, a first row seat to a Because CONCACAF episode and I, I feel complete now. So that was great. That Listeners, that is what you will get to that level of current soccer things happening if you go listen to Because CONCACAF. So make sure you do that. Um, no, I love that. The, the motivation and why is this important 
is my biggest thing. Like the fact that they didn't take away regular season games to do this and the fact that um yeah, there's no playoff implication anything like that. This doesn't change anything for the fans. My my long standing since they implemented this, my long standing belief into what I think this will turn into, which would be cool because this is like you mentioned it this isn't ingrained this isn't in in the blood and and the dna of nba players executives coaches fans anybody right this sort of thing so it's like what's the nba equivalent thing right what's the thing that an nba fan even we won't like we'll put the players aside for now but the fan can hold on to and my long-standing belief in what this could be is because if we're going to say that the players and teams don't care that much and uh, this just becomes something where like Steph Curry is still resting in, in the final game of group stage or, or in the quarterfinals or something like that, why do fans care? And my thought was, OK, the young teams are still going to try because the young teams are necessarily playing for the playoffs anyways. They're trying to get better. So they're not resting, guys. They're not as old. So they're not as hurt and they're not rest. So this will become the oh, that team's got next kind of thing, right? This would be the, uh, the this year, the Oklahoma City Thunder win it. And then the next year, and next year they make the playoffs. And then two years from now, they're in the semifinals or or something like that. That was, that was kind of always what I thought. Like, if that's what this becomes, then like, you're, you're happy with that. It's like when the Suns went to the bubble and mm, yeah. went 8-0 in went the bubble, right? Yeah. And, and it's just like, oh, okay. And like Devin Booker's on the map. And and same thing in the bubble. Jamal Murray went on the map. Donovan Mitchell went on. And like that's kind of what I think is the best case scenario. Um, but, but kind of parlaying that into some more soccer stuff, like for any of these cups uh, in any of these leagues, how does this kind of measure up to your – final champion at the end of the year or, or and, and you know the various leagues whatever that is right if it's just the team with the best record the final tournament the final whatever it is the final creme de la creme you're the champion of the league for this year how does one of these mid-season cups kind of compare to that in terms of what it means to win it sure it's an excellent question so i think i would say in the hierarchy of like trophies mattering Champions League is always going to be number one. So if you're playing that European level competition, that's always going to be your number one thing. Generally, your league championship is going to be the second most important. And, you know, in Europe, playoffs are very rare. I think Belgium actually does it, but they're kind of a second tier league. Most leagues, and honestly, there's there's kind of a beautiful symmetry to it. You play everyone twice, once home, once away. Whoever has the most points in the season wins. Like Mm -hmm. you are the champion. So as I, obviously I'm American, so I love watching playoffs, but there is kind of a beauty to it. I mean, you really can't knock it. There's no like, oh, they had a soft schedule, et cetera. Like, nope, it's just straight up who's the best. So that league championship, I would say, is generally kind of the most important. The Your cup competition like this, like your FA Cup, would probably be behind that. So it's still an important thing. still means a lot to players and to fans. I would say it doesn't mean quite at that level. Um, so like for to make the NBA comparison, it would not be at the level of an NBA finals championship, right? But still important. I would probably be more important than whatever this is going to end up being. You mentioned the dynamic of, you know, okay, maybe it's the young teams and, and that's something that does kind of play out. And so a lot of times you, 
all these things are happening at the same time. They happen throughout the seasons. Like the FA Cup, like usually the seasons will go August to May-ish. The finals of these cup competitions are happening in May. So it is kind of drawn out throughout Mm -hmm. the year too. And if you are a team that is playing in Champions League and you're playing in the league and you're playing this FA Cup, some leagues even have like a fourth thing called a League Cup, if we're not confused yet. And so that's a similar competition, but it's not like every level. Usually it's like confined to like, all right, it's just going to be like the top three or four divisions. Um, and so that's probably actually more similar to what the NBA would be since we're, we're not including the G League, we're not including the NCAA. It's a little bit more. It's probably closer to a League Cup. That's usually ranked even kind of lower in the importance scale. So big teams, your Arsenal's, your Manchester United's, your you know Newcastle's, a lot of times during these cup competitions, like they will rotate their squads. So either like kind of a reserve team or maybe mm-hmm. a youth team or like, you know, a mix, you know, some starters, some kind of second tier guys right. akin to the load management issue that this in theory is trying to address, but not mm-hmm. addressing effectively. And a lot of times you kind of have this dynamic of, all right, we're going to throw the second team out there and see how they do. If they win, it's great. It's gravy. If not, ah, oh, well, okay, we get the old calls tried. Now we can focus on the other things that matter more. Right. Um, but then on the flip side, like you mentioned, like a bubble suns, if you're a team that has no hope in any other competition and you just full send it, like we are going for the cup this year, that can be a huge thing. It can be a huge thing for like the lower tier sides too. Like when a lower tier team, you know, advances far and wins and like gets, you know, the monetary gain from that too. It's a huge, huge deal. Um, so, so there's a couple different angles yeah. of it. And honestly, it's one reason why I enjoy soccer so much is there's so many layers to everything and there's so many different perspectives and there's just, you can go at it in a hundred different ways. So if the NBA can like make something like that, because then it's also, it's a fun bragging rights thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you can, if a team has not won any NBA finals, but you know, it's one, like, Hey, we, we got this and that's more than the team that hasn't won anything. It's a legitimate bragging rights thing. And that happens too. Right. So, so you mentioned how it, it, it's still important. What winning one of these cubs versus the league championship, just not, it's, it's a little bit below it. So if a team, let's say going into a season, going into a, a league season, the a team that's either favored to win the league or like the, there's pressure on the team to win um, at the end of the year, whether it's for a player's legacy or how you feel about a coach, there's expectations to win it for, let's say, a handful of teams. And they don't win the the end-of-season league championship standings, but they win the, the this cup in, mm-hmm. in the middle part. Of the, is that kind of like a – is there still a letdown? Is it like, a, oh, no, we still accomplished something because we won that? If you're So like this year would be like – uh, maybe not the Nuggets because they just won one, but like the Lakers, right? If the Lakers mm-hmm. don't win the NBA championship this year, but they win this in-season tournament, I know that I know nobody will care this year. But to that equivalent of a team, is that a, is that a thing, or is it like, nah, man, you still you still lost the whole thing at the end? It doesn't matter. That's such a good question, and it it probably varies like per situation. Like there are probably situations where it's like, oh yeah, we won, you know, we won the FA Cup. It's like, all right, we well, didn't win the league, so it doesn't matter, right? And there probably are situations where like, okay, hey, we got a trophy. It does mean something. Mm-hmm. It's probably different. That's a, such a non-answer. 
And I think that's kind that's of the beauty of it. Because, like, we're in this, like, whole, like, what is this era? So, like, we could probably go through the team standings of, like, if there is certain situations in soccer where it it matters to some and not to others, like, that is important enough for the NBA. And I, I think that's kind of the beauty of it is that, you know, whatever, like, the British, like, Sky Sports version of First Take is, is, like, that kind of thing, you know, sparks fun debates of, like, mm-hmm. was this was this a good season? Like, was it not? And there's you can have any number of legitimate opinions based off of those scenarios. So just as someone who just loves debating stuff, you know, it adds, it adds some more fuel to the fire and it's kind of fun. So right now let, let's parlay this into um, your, your Bucks fandom here. You can break out your Damian Lillard stuff at some point, <laughs> the Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks are both uh, the favorites right now. They have the same odds at plus three eighty to win the championship the nba championship 2024 the uh defending champ denver nuggets are at plus 550 and the new super team phoenix suns are also at plus 550 so those are those are the teams right now in the inner circle that are saying this is a championship or bust essentially season again i don't that's a very black and white thing we don't really do that on this podcast the nuggets just won one they'll be okay but those are the teams fully expecting I like obviously this is the first year of this tournament, so nobody's really going to care who wins it probably in the end. But these are the teams that would probably be a little disappointed. Like, okay, yeah, we won that, and that that's cool and all, but like we didn't reach our main goal. Whereas if you go down the list a little bit, you know, maybe like maybe LeBron or Steph, those are the next two teams: Lakers, Warriors, plus thirteen hundred, plus fourteen hundred for guys at the end of their careers trying to build resumes to be. The, the greatest overall or secure a top 10 spot on, on all time lists and really kind of net out these great careers, maybe adding something like this on teams that are older and more beat up would, would be good for their good for their legacies. The Cavs are next at plus 2,400 as well as the Grizzlies, two young teams that haven't had play the playoff success yet. Those teams would probably be good candidates for like, Hey man, you won this mid in season tournament that like that's a good thing that is something to hang your hat on yeah i would i would agree that the that top tier bucks celtics suns nuggets if you are coming away from the season without an nba championship but with an in-season tournament championship that is probably a disappointing year i think for the tiers below that if you come away with that result of hey we won the in-season tournament but did it win the NBA Finals? I would say, yeah. You know, I think that would that would be a successful year. I think that probably is where the line is. And then the, just the further down you go, like you said, if you get the Washington Wizards win the NBA, if the wi- like, I mean, they'll and that's the fun of the it. Like, if hang, the Wizards, if the Wizards crank out an in-season tournament win, like that's huge for that fan base. So that is kind of like, like that's what I'm almost hoping for. As much as like I would love the Bucks, and here I, I should have also mentioned this: when you win both. That's a huge deal. Yeah. It's like it's called like winning the double if you win uh-huh. the cup and the league. That's a pretty big and like even if you if you like Manchester City this past year, they won Champions League, they won the Premier League, they won the FA Cup, so they won a, a treble. Huge deal, super rare. That is trash talking rights for a very long time. So that is the other element. Like if you really want to assert your dominance over everyone, like hey, we won every competition. Yeah, I, I I do love that. I do love. I, yeah, I would I would love for this to really become something, and it doesn't have to be a 
our goal is to win the in-season tournament or our goal, like this is a great consolation prize, but just something we like find something to hang our hat on. You know, you mentioned the commissioner's cup from the WNBA that is, a, that has significance. I mean, you, you watch that, that Liberty sun get, you know, that the players care about that. It's also, it's hard to compare that to the NBA because the season is, is half the length. So all the games in the WNBA season matter, you know, um, even if it's not gonna affect your your seeding too too much, right? Necessarily because the game it's still a smaller percentage than the regular season games. It's still like it's just such a short season. You need all of that, so you need that time gelling with the teammates, building chemistry, working on uh, your rotation. Everything is so much more of a, a bigger part of the picture in that being forty games. This being eighty two games, like. Yeah, we're wondering is LeBron going to suit up for half of these group games if they if the Lakers make the knockout round is he going to play right do we who is going to care about this I did want to I I I wanted to throw some weird stats at you so I I got prepared a little bit for this I wanted to look at the NBA's recent history of how teams perform in November right this is primarily taking place in the month of November so who who cares about November? What is what kind of snapshot do we get of this? So I only went back uh, to last season, the year before, because in 2020, 2021, coming just out of COVID, we didn't have a November. And then the world was a different place before that. So two year sample size last season in 2022, 2023, seven of the so I took what I did was I took the teams with the eight best records in the month of November, because that's how many teams are going to go to the knockout stage seven of the eight teams may were in the playoffs at the Mm. end of the season so seven of the eight top teams in the month of november last year were in the playoffs and that's top six seed the eighth team was in the play-in tournament i think it was the pelicans and they ended up being like the ninth seed or something like that of those seven so the seven that were truly in the playoffs one team won the finals denver nuggets another team was in the conference finals um, and then two more teams were in the semifinals. So four of the seven teams had advanced in the playoffs. Uh, the year before, 2021, 2022, the top eight teams with wins in the month of November, six were playoff teams, the top six seed. The other two were also playing teams. So all eight teams were in the postseason competition. Of the six that were in the playoffs, two were in the finals, obviously one of them being the winner, and two more were in the semifinals. So again, the last two seasons – Four teams that have had the best eight of the best eight records in the month of November were in the semifinals or better of the NBA postseason. So recent history is actually telling us, hey, it'll probably actually be like your real teams here. So your your Celtics, your Bucks, your Nuggets, Suns, Lakers, Warriors, you know, throw in a 76ers, uh, shout out to Smick, <laughs> uh, the Heat, you know, you're you're gonna get some real teams, and there might be one feisty team that's competing for a, a play-in kind of berth, you know, your, your Oklahoma City Thunder, your, your Sacramento Kings, your New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans again. But one of those teams is going to sneak in, which which will, yeah, make it all the more exciting, right? You talked about the your your cup sets, right? Your, your lower division team. If the, I mean, let's just say like, yeah, I keep coming back to them. Well, let's take Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't, I don't like the Timberwolves team all that much, but the, Anthony Edwards mania that took place over the world cup for the men's national team this summer. Imagine if Anthony Edwards 
who is on just like a Timberwolves team that we're not feeling that confident about. People are starting to be like, when's he getting out of Minnesota? Imagine watching him in a tournament style because they won't make the playoffs against the Nuggets. And he just goes for 40 points. Like that's, that's cool. Like that people will be excited when the games actually happen. Um, so I wanted to throw that that stat at you because we're probably oh, going to get the good teams. We're probably going to get the good teams in this. Um, and maybe I that's what make the, it more interesting for fans. Maybe that's what like the competitive advantage of this is, is that it's almost like a little playoff preview in the fall, which I think could be kind of cool. That, that is really interesting. I didn't even like think of it for, like from that standpoint. The other thing to think about is that like sports are silly and all of this is made up. Like the whole thing's made up. So like, yeah, this is made up, but like, isn't everything like what once the games start being played like i'm not gonna not watch like of course i'm gonna watch it like i'm gonna get into it so just by the simple fact that it is a sporting competition and it's fun to watch the best basketball players in the world on the court with each other yeah maybe it'll be fine you mentioned kind of like the legacy piece of it i will say like when i am looking at when I'm going down Wikipedia rabbit holes and like looking at former soccer players, like that's a piece that I do look at of like, okay, you know, this guy, you know, won three FA cups in his career. Like that's a legitimate thing that I take into account as a soccer fan. If I'm evaluating a player's legacy. So I, I don't know if this will, if an in-season tournament win will be that, but like I could totally knowing myself in sporting arguments, like in 20 years, if I'm debating Chris Middleton and like way one, the 2023 in season tournament. So obviously he's in, you know, a top 75 player of all time. <laughs> um, yeah. I, and, and it's just like, it's just going to take time because, you know, I think the LeBrons and the Seths, they, they might be thinking about that stuff already. Um, but it might not be something most other, you know, those guys are just so hardwired to be insanely competitive and analytically thinking and all this stuff, always thinking about this kind of thing. But yeah, it might it might take a while to catch on, but you know, you talk about bragging rights, and yeah, if the I don't know who who's a good rival. I mean, we don't really have a rivalry in the NBA anymore, but let's say the Celtics beat the uh, I don't want to say the Bucks since you're here. Let's say they beat the this oh the Heat. The Heat's a great one. Let's say the Celtics beat the Heat two years in a row in this thing. You don't think the Heat are going to be kind of pissed off about that if both teams see each other in the knockout round a bit like eventually this is gonna get interesting um earlier we we you know we've been talking about why this is important for the fans and yeah at the end of the day like if you're a fan and there's a knockout style game going on it's why we watch the seven seed versus the eight seed in the southeast division of the ncaa tournament every year it's knockout hoops it's knockout sports we're gonna watch um players yeah their incentive right now is very low it uh, it is just that bragging rights it is that end of career accolades to look back on it's all financial for them right now i don't i don't have the exact numbers it's probably like uh, only half a million if you win okay so if you're a a player on the winning because it's it's on the knockout team so the uh, like it doesn't matter how you do in the group stage you have to be in the knockout stage so yeah it's 500k probably like 250 for the semifinals uh and or maybe like 250 if you lose uh, 150 if you're in the semifinals and then like 75k to be in the knockout round something like that so it's like i mean that's not nothing and if you're the 13th guy on a two-way contract that's great but you're also not (laughs) can you imagine the 13th guy going up to Giannis who has a sprained ankle 
uh, Thanasis. Can you imagine Thanasis going up to Giannis <laughs> when Giannis has a sprained ankle and be like, listen, bro, I need you to play because this is like 20% of my uh, salary that we could win right now. So I just need you to wrap that thing up and get back out there. Like, I think Thanasis is fine because the only reason he's on an NBA roster is who he's brothers with. But it is, and that almost lends credence to the theory that you know, some of the lesser teams, like if you don't have any like super max guys on your roster, like, yeah, like for LeBron and Giannis, like a half a million dollars doesn't really mean much. Yeah. If, if you're on a two way, if you're the 14th guy on the bench, that's your like annual salary. You could double if you win what seven games. That's yeah. it's not nothing that I, I mean, and I, I, but I would love, I really wanted it to be something for for the playoffs because it like as a team like to galvanize the whole team to be interested and not have that discrepancy between the the top player and the 14th player uh may i I mean i would love for it to be that 1-0 start that would be hilarious in whatever seed you get um if they were to win that but but even just like you get one of the play-in spots like at the end of the day do we really care between the 10th seeded team and the 13th seeded team who gets that last play in spot because you got to win two games to get in the playoffs. Anyways, I would have loved for this to be, Hey, you're guaranteed to be the 10th seed. And if you're higher than that, then I don't know, you lock into the playoffs or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I would have loved to have seen something like that. And maybe they'll, maybe they'll work with their way up to it. It's the first year we've seen sports leagues and the NBA specifically like try things and add to it and stuff. So I, I'm excited. There's something I'll be excited to watch. I'll be excited to see, how it kind of evolves over time but yeah right now right now i don't don't know how excited uh the players are gonna be anything else for you on on the in-season tournament or any of this other nba stuff uh how you're feeling about the bucks and dangerous anything else here in, in the nba world you want to get to i can tell i'm getting soft because my initial reaction on the dame trade was that i felt really bad for drew holiday that's not just you that is not just you i've seen like, i've seen thousands of tweets in that regard because his contributions defensively specifically i will go to my grave saying was the reason we got over the hump and won the 21 nba championship mm-hmm. we we had eric bledsoe before that man didn't guard anyone and like you could point to like several huge like pinpoint individual plays that drew holiday made in that finals against the suns and he came out like 48 hours before that trade happened. I was like, Hey, I want to be a buck for life. I'm like, and I was like, sign me up, man. And he's like the nicest guy tying into soccer. He's married to a former U S women's national team player, uh, Lauren holiday. And so like, it, it sucks for him. I, I quickly got over it. Cause we have Damian Lillard now. <laughs> and like, I, I was even thinking like, man, we're, we're giving up a lot on the defensive end, but like also, Probably doesn't matter because we're going to score a million points a game. Like the Nuggets just won an NBA championship and they were what, like a middling defensive team? They were what, like 18th or whatever in defensive efficiency? If you just score 3,000 points a game, it doesn't matter if you play defense. And so now, like, can you imagine like the Giannis Dame pick and roll? You had like, where do you, the floor spacing, like Dame can hit logo threes consistently. Giannis runs the court in seven steps. And then Chris Middleton is like the last bastion of the mid range. So it's literally the entire court. Like who do you not want to guard? Uh, it's whole baby. I'm excited. 
when you when you mentioned Gonzaga earlier, was that because you have Drew Timmy on the team? I didn't even realize the Bucks had Drew Timmy. I don't know that I realized that we had Drew Timmy, but I That's love that. He, what a what a great college basketball player. Now you're now you're really now you're really cooking. Yeah, I mean, I I get it, man. The defense thing is is extremely important. Like you still have to be a good defensive team. Yeah, to win you can't be NBA horrible. Champions. You have to be at least competent. Yeah, yeah. And, and what we've seen Brooke and Giannis kind of create in terms of the rim protection yeah. is going to is going to give that. And Middleton isn't the on ball stopper that I think he's been touted as in the past. But he is a six foot eight, two hundred and twenty five pound wing with long arms who gets in the way of stuff. And and Pat Connaughton is still going to be there running around doing a bunch of stuff. And some like somebody else is going to pop. Some one of these guys. I'm coming through the roster again now. I really want Malik Beasley to do something. It's not going to be on the defensive end though. Um, I, I, people forget, and I forget. Jay Crowder is still technically on this team. So like, is he just going to start playing basketball and playing defense again? Um, that would yeah, solve a gonna, lot of issues. It's going to be fine, man. Dame's going to average 30 points, and Giannis is going to average 30 points, and it's going to be it's going Yeah, to be I mean, like, fun. Brooke Lopez, you could argue, is like a top-five defensive player, probably even higher than that in, like, the higher. league. Higher, yep. Yeah, and Giannis is, I mean, what, we're calling it freak time, I guess. Like, he's the Greek freak. Like, he does stuff that <laughs> doesn't make sense. And I guess, like, I mean, we got Victor Wembanyama now, so maybe it's starting to become the norm of just guys whose wingspan is just the entire half court. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like even whatever on ball, like wing defense that we're missing, we're probably like two deadline trades away from filling. You get a couple three and D veterans, uh, a PJ Tucker, perhaps, you know, we'll, we'll give you Kyle Kuzma for a first. <laughs> I'm gonna take a pass on that one. I do like Kyle Kuzma, but not. not I actually for like situation. Kyle Kuzma too. I actually really do like Kyle Kuzma. All right. We, we've started talking about wizards, so it's time to change topics. Hello, everybody. Brandon Tim here telling you all to listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, a podcast giving you the insights to help you win your fantasy football leagues. Together, we will look at everything fantasy football, from the platforms we use to navigating weekly player projections. Listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, a Box Score Network podcast. We'll see you at the next episode. Hey, I'm Connor. I'm Billy. And I'm Austin. And we're the host of the Tricky Takes podcast presented by the Box Score Network. We talk about all things sports ranging from golf, baseball, football, NBA, and all college sports. Come give us a listen and make sure you follow us over on Twitter at Tricky Takes. And that's tricky with two eyes. So let's go ahead and hit what's happening in soccer. And that is how I have this in the outline because I don't. I don't know. I tune into the Because Concat podcast for Andy and Dom to tell me what's happening in soccer. So we're going to go over a couple different leagues that are playing this fall that you'll hear Andy talk about on his podcast. Um, and Andy's going to tell us basically why we should be intrigued. And to do this, he'll pick a team or anything he wants. Who knows how crazy he's going to get with it and, and draw a comparison to another league or team that we talk about more on this podcast. So maybe there will be an NBA reference. Maybe there will be an NFL reference. There's probably a reference that I'll have never heard of, and it'll make it that much more interesting. Um, but Andy, you, this the floor is yours, man. Start with whatever, whatever league, whatever team you want to, and tell us what's going on, what you'll be talking about on the podcast, and why we should be excited. Yeah, so our I won't pretend that we've – cover all of soccer as much as I would love to. There's only 24 hours in the day. 
Um, our kind of niche is North American soccer. So the U.S. women's national team, the U.S. men's national team, kind of the the leagues that are in the U.S., MLS for the men, NWSL for the women, um, and the various competitions kind of within North America. Soccer is a beautiful game, and often, you know, American soccer has kind of been late to the party, but there's a ton of fun and very uniquely American things. I think that's kind of the ethos of our podcast. So I'm going to give you comparisons for the two national teams, and then we're going to go through the MLS playoffs are about to start, and they are always a chaotic, fun thing. So I got some comparisons for some teams there. We'll start with the U.S. women's national team. So you probably saw, I mean, the Women's World Cup just happened. Crash out in the round of 16. That was our worst ever performance um, at a Women's World Cup. We have an Olympics in less than a year. So the women's calendar is a little weird. You get a World Cup and Olympics, like right back to back. My comparison for the U.S. Women's National Team is the Lakers just in the 2020s. So recently won a title. So the U.S. did win the 2019 World Cup. Got some aging superstars. Uh, your LeBrons, your you know, Anthony Davis is getting up there, and you know, whatever other random veterans that LeBron has recruited, your your Dion Waiters, your you know, your J.R. Smiths. So the US women's national team is kind of in a weird phase at the moment where no one's really in their prime. It's kind of the old generation is on their way out, and the new generation is very young and still growing. We just had the retirement of Megan Rapino and Julie Ertz, too. Uh, we talked about this on, on our podcast with me and Dom. If you were creating like a first team all world in all of history, like those are two players that would be in the conversation on that team. Mm-hmm. A lot of young, exciting talent coming up, though. Um, I don't know how this might be where the Lakers metaphor falls apart, but you got Austin Reeves, I guess. Question mark. The the what what what's his nickname? It's like the hillbilly hillbilly Jordan or something like that. I'll find it. Go ahead. Um, a lot of like really promising young players, and I'm really hoping this upcoming Olympics starts to showcase that young talent. Uh, Naomi Gurma is a center back, so a defensive player who was probably America's best player at the World Cup. Sophia Smith, really exciting attacking talent. Jaden Shaw is a name to look out for. She's a teenager and is still balling out. She's like one of the top scorers in the NWSL. Relevant to this podcast, Trinity Rodman, great starting forward for the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, Great goal scorer is the daughter of Dennis Rodman. Um, like that should be enough. That should be enough. That like really, that's incredible. To Trinity's credit, she is good enough and like famous enough in the soccer world that she's just Trinity Rodman on her own. Like it is not. Oh, hey, here's Dennis Rodman's daughter. It's right. not. Hey, hey, here's Trinity Rodman, and also here's a footnote. Her dad was you know good at rebound. <laughs> yeah, her dad played in the NBA. Like that. That's what you want to see. Like she easily could be like the next Alex Morgan in the next couple of cycles. Wow. Really exciting player. So that's kind of my Lakers, you know, still contending and relevant, no longer really the title favorites. You know, the rest of the world has really caught up to the U.S. in terms of soccer. Spain won their first World Cup um, this summer. Should be an exciting Olympics. So U.S. men's a, national team. Real quick for the women's team. Yeah. If someone uh, listening to this podcast is like, I'm totally in. I want to see how this team compares to that of the Lakers, who, by the way, have another uh, Michael Jordan teammates kid on on the team. Scotty Pip Jr. still a member of the Lakers, um, and they they tune in. They're going to tune into the Olympics to see this team play. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the players; they should be really excited to watch. What should their like general expectations be? Because you said you know, flame out in the World Cup. They're in the, a weird transition phase. Like, what are you kind of expecting for this team to do in the Olympics? 
It's a great question. So a lot of the World Cup failure, the consensus is kind of on that it was on coaching. And so that coach has since resigned. His name is Vladko Andonovsky. Currently, don't they're, they have an interim head coach who's super not going to get the the full time job. They've said that they want a new full head full time head coach by December. Um, so that I think is going to be really interesting to mm-hmm. figure out. Like, okay, who gets that job? What's going to be the direction of the team from there? I think the U.S. will bounce back. I think they will do better than they were at their round of sixteen because, like, the talent is still there. They may not be like the clear cut favorite, but they're still certainly a world championship level contender. I would say. If the U.S. is not in the medal round, it's a disappointment. So exactly like where the Lakers are at this point, like the Lakers yeah. should be at least shooting for win around in the playoffs. Anything other than that would be a disappointing season. But if they don't win the championship, while it's probably their goal, the outsider shouldn't necessarily be like, wow, what a failure. Before this summer, the U.S. had never finished lower than third at a World Cup. And they were out in the round of 16 this year. So that should tell you kind of the. And, so, and like also to go with the Lakers, like they're the U.S. is the most has the most World Cups of any team, the most gold medals of any team. They are by far the standard for international women's soccer. Great one. Great one. So the men, a little bit different. I'm going with the Sacramento Kings, for the U.S. men's national team. So ignoring their NBA title as the Rochester Royals in 1951. We're going to think about the Canes as relatively successful in the early 2000s, completely irrelevant for most of the 21st century, but like now it's time to jump on the bandwagon. So while the U.S. women have always been global powers, basically because of, you know, Title IX, that meant American colleges, you know, invested very heavily in women's sports. And we were just, you know, well ahead of the rest of the world on like, hey, we want our women to be really good athletes. The men did not have that head start. Talked about Ulysses S. Grant when the rest of the world started playing soccer. So it took us a little bit to get there. So we're going to extend the U.S.'s timeline to fit this metaphor. The United States did come in third at the inaugural World Cup in 1930. Granted, there was only 13 teams that played, but still third place nonetheless. They also beat England at the 1950 World Cup, which is not nothing. And then for basically the back half of the 20th century, we're completely irrelevant. That changed when the U.S. hosted the World Cup in 1994. Still one of the most highly attended World Cups ever in history. Stuck them in NFL stadiums. And then the MLS started play in 1996. Since then, it's been a steady incline. Uh, You know, the game has grown. It's become way more popular. Started to perform at a high level at the international stage. Right now, like, this is the time to get on the U.S. men's national team bandwagon. The player pool has never been more talented and performing at a higher level than it has right now. It's also extremely young. Our, I, I don't think we were the youngest team at the world. So the men's world cup, the last one was in 2022. I don't think we were the youngest average age, but we were like second and it was not, mm-hmm. it, it was close. Like it is, we are on the rise. We have more Americans performing at a high level in those top European leagues than ever. Uh, the top team in Italy right now, AC Milan, has Christian Pulisic and Yunus Musa, two United States men's national team starters. They're scoring goals from them. Um, the top team in France has the U.S.'s best striker. The best team in the Netherlands has three Americans on it who are all balling out. Like, the ceiling is high. We're lighting the beam. <laughs> it's game time. Uh, so just like the, the Kings got bounced in the first round of the playoffs this year, the U.S. did lose in the round of 16 at this most recent World Cup. 
but the U.S. is now hosting another World Cup in 2026 on our home soil. This could be another, like, it's hard to understate what this could be in terms of, like, a cultural shift even more for the U.S., for the, for the sport in the country, especially with Leo Messi now playing here. There's a couple other high-profile tournaments that are going to be here, Copa America in 2024. That's, like, the South American Championship, so you'll get Argentina, Brazil. The U.S. will most likely be in it. In 2025, the Club World Cup, which is kind of a newer thing that they're expanding, that's going to be here. World Cup the year after that, potentially a Women's World Cup in 27 that hasn't been confirmed yet. And then we have the Olympics in 28, the Summer Olympics. So my bank account will be emptied. Um, I'm never going to own a home because I'm just going to spend all my money on watching soccer live. But it's 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 a very exciting time. And the other thing to put the like the bow on the Sacramento Kings uh, kind of metaphor is that for the longest time, the Kings are really only for like the league pass sickos, like just like NBA nerds. There was a long time where like watching American soccer was just like for, you know, nerds and sickos, but like it, we're in the mainstream now, baby. Like it's, it's game time. It's happening. Uh, that's incredible. I love the King so much. Um, who on the team trying to think of who, who the best Kings player, if we could get one, one-to-one comparison. Who's kind of, who's the like who's the De'Aaron Fox? Yeah, that's the guy I think I was gonna go. Who's the De'Aaron Fox in terms of like they were kind of there just coming up while the end of the real bad time was coming, but you were kind of like, okay, this person I think can really be the thing to turn around because when De'Aaron Fox was drafted by the Kings, you want to talk about league past sicko? That was a stage of my blogging self where I had my own blog dedicated to just writing about the Sacramento Kings. That was the 2017-2018 uh, NBA season. Um, you can find that somewhere on the internet. I'll let everybody sleuth that one out. Um, where it was like, man, you can just see like this guy is starting to change things and not to the level that LeBron went to the Cavs and a year later they were, you know, going to the playoffs or Melo went to the Nuggets and that year they were a playoff team. Not anything that, to that degree, but you're like, there's there's a real hope and a real like thing about this dude and what this team is now trying to. Who is that guy who was transitioning from the dark years to like this is the like heart and soul of this team right now? I would say the easiest comparison would be Christian Pulisic. So the United States missed out on the 2018 World Cup, which was a massive, massive failure. He was really the only holdover from that team because at that point he was kind of the young, Mm up-and-coming starlet. First American to win the Champions League. He won it with Chelsea, which is a huge deal. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember the World Cup from 2022. He scored against Iran. Um, like mm-hmm. the famous mm-hmm. goal where he like basically like sacrificed his body and scored and he like took a knee to the to the gonads and like had to go to like the hospital. Um his like unofficial nickname is Captain America. Um yep. Yep. he is a caliber player. He generally plays on the left wing. Um he's attacking player, good goal scorer, but he can create as well. Um I would say like in like the pantheon of like American soccer greats, like your LeBron and Michael Jordan of American soccer would be Clint Dempsey and Landon Donovan. Mm-hmm. Lusick is not at that level yet. Mm-hmm. He has the potential to surpass them. Like he, he is that good. All right. Everyone watch for, uh, everyone watch for Pulisic when it comes time. All right. What's your next one that you got for us, Andy? All right. Let's uh, it's time for MLS sickos time. So FC Cincinnati. I'm going to crown them the Detroit Lions, but like the Lions in like two years, if they like continue their current trajectory. 
So FC Cincinnati's first MLS season, they're actually a lower tier team for a while. So they made their MLS debut in 2019. They won what is called the Wooden Spoon, which is like dead last in the league. They won that in their first three seasons consecutively. Every single year, Wooden Spoon, Wooden Spoon, Wooden Spoon, and like got shelled in the process. Just historically bad. They're now in their fifth season. They just won what is called the Supporters Shield, which goes to the regular season champion that earns you a Champions League berth for like the the CONCACAF version of that. They're going to be the top seed in the playoffs this year. That turnaround is incredible, unheard of. Like their front office has done like an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, I'm going to try and say Lucho Acosta is their Jared Goff equivalent, which is hilarious to think because Jared Goff is like, you know, this like lanky quarterback. Lucho Acosta is a 5'3 Argentinian dude. Like he's tiny. But he's really there. He's really their quarterback. He's an attacking midfielder. Um he is like among the top five goal scorers in the entire league, but really his his strength is really setting plays up. Like they have two really good forwards as well. He pulls the strings, everything kind of runs through him. Like he is like the MVP front runner. I don't know if Jared Goff is MVP front runner. Maybe if the Lions win the Super Bowl in like 2025, then he probably would be. So that's where that's I was where about I to say, does them. he randomly freeze and just get the ball taken right out from him or kick it to the wrong guy uh, at any point uh, for, for no reason? Anything like that? This is probably where the metaphor starts to come apart. This seems a little <laughs> bit because he is like legitimately probably the best player in the league. Uh, that's a great one, though. I, I love that one. You you had an extended rant of that um, on because Concap this week and I did. So last week. Anyways. Um, and yeah, that, I mean, that's that's incredible because and if you're if you're an nfl listener uh of this podcast you made it this long this is a treat for you because we we know we know what the lines have been through we know all the dark years we know the the winless season all the bags on heads all the you know the only thing that's that's even worse for the lions here is not only how long-standing the misery is but the fact that they are guaranteed the Thanksgiving Day game every year, and we all just get to sit around and uh, enjoy the great American tradition of watching the Lions lose on Thanksgiving. Um, but the remarkable, almost seemingly a basically out of nowhere turnaround, right, is the the most impressive thing. And it's it, again, if if you hear this as an NFL fan and you don't watch MLS soccer. Like this should make you want to just immediately go turn it on. Like we as a NFL fan collective, just like we're rooting for the Lions at this point. Even if you're like me and you kind of hate it on their draft this year a little bit, it, it's it's out of like love and admiration. Like you just want this team to do it. Well, maybe not you, but you want this team to like find some semblance of success and to go from three and 13, 20 and 21 nine and eight last year you see this four and one right now this clear trajectory i mean that's that's a ton of fun and that that should you know if you can tune in even to just the playoffs which is end of end of this month correct yeah, for, sorry at the end of the, the month i'll go through november um, and december and just ride this wave of like this is the lions of this league like that that is fun man that's incredible like, think Dan Orlovsky running out of the back of the end zone for his safety. Like, that's what FC Cincinnati's first three seasons were, and they are, like, a legitimate title contender right now. That's fun stuff. Uh, that's incredible. S- similar vein. So, St. Louis City is my next team. My comparison is either the 2002 Houston Texans 
or the 2004 Charlotte Bobcats if either of those teams were the number one seed in the playoffs for their conference, because that's what St. Louis just did. Wow. They're an expansion team. They just like everyone's pre- predicting them to either finish last or like next to last. Admittedly, easier to do in a younger league, unless it's only been around. Like I'm older than Major League Soccer. It's a little bit easier to do when you, you have way more control over your roster. Like drafts are mm-hmm. a really tangential thing. You also have a, an entire globe of players to pull from. So it is a little bit easier to pull this off. Still remarkable yeah. what they've done. And a really cool story. St. Louis talked about the U.S. Open Cup before. In the early 20th century, kind of like the 20s and 30s, like that was really the hotbed of soccer in America. Um, St. Louis University, the Billikens, um, has actually won like 10 NCAA national championships. So they pack out there. Like their home stadium is packed. It's a ton of fun to watch. Um, I worked at VCU as an SID briefly. I don't know if anyone even knows what an SID is, but one of the players that worked for the men's soccer team, Celio Pompeo, is actually on this team now. So that's kind of cool to see too. Um, Wasn't now you you watch hockey i don't watch hockey yeah did the, the, the vegas golden knights is that the team right how yep. they, so they, they went to the stanley like cup this? they went to the stanley cup final their first year so that would be a good that would be a good okay. comparison they lost the caps there we go there. um and then they just they just won the stanley cup this past year in their i guess that would be right. their fifth season fifth or sixth that that would be another good comparison i do love some hockey so for the nba heads who are still here when we get the uh, Seattle Supersonics back in, I don't know, roughly yeah. two years or something like that, you know, there's some hope. There's there's a trend here. It's not the 04 Bobcats who, if you had NBA Live 2004, that roster for PlayStation, that roster was made up of Emeka Okafor, Gerald Wallace. I don't think Sean May and Raymond Felton were there. Yeah, I think that was the next year. Basically, two Was that dudes, Morrison on that team? That was in 07. But yes, oh, yeah. essentially the same the thing. I was thinking Felton and, too. And then literally nine NBA generated players because they like <laughs> made the game inexplicably before like the draft and the roster. So it was literally it was literally Mecca Oakford, Gerald Wallace, and then just a bunch of randos. And it was it was I mean it was the best thing it was the best thing to do. So NBA Live 2004, shout out. I I love that though because NFL fans we know. And NBA fans, we know what an expansion team means for the most part, and for it to be the complete opposite here in this league uh, should also be a ton of fun to watch. Um, what's your next one? Next one is LAFC, so Los Angeles FC. They're the Kansas City Chiefs, comparable. Reigning champions, going to be a favorite again this year. Juggernaut of stacked talent. Also have really good, just loud home crowds. Like LAFC games are super intense. Uh, Dennis Bowanga is your Patrick Mahomes comparable. Uh, leads the league with 19 goals. He is from the African nation of Gabon. Dare you to find that on a map. Uh, but incredibly dynamic offensive threat. Uh, the Travis Kelsey will be Carlos Vela, a Mexican wiener. Has dealt with some injuries, but is still a huge star um, and one of the top scorers in his in his position at his peak. Who's he dating or married to? I don't actually know. I should prep that. I I have no. I have no Swift references for you, unfortunately. Uh, Next one I got for you: Philadelphia Union are honestly the Philadelphia Eagles. Shout out to Kevin Smick. I saw on Instagram he's at the Phillies game, um, so that went very well for him. My girlfriend's also a huge Philly sports fan, so again, a lot of Phillies content. Um, But last year's runner-up, they lost. They lost LAFC in the final in a crazy MLS Cup final match. 
Um, they really have that kind of, this is super cliche. I kind of hate myself for saying this, but like the blue collar, like Philly grit to them. Yeah. They don't have as big of a budget as some of the other, you know, flashy teams, your LAFCs, um, but they get a lot out of what they have. Um, I tried to make a couple more player comparisons. So Jason Kelsey probably is Alejandro Bedoya, uh, you know, grizzled veteran. He's achieved a lot in the U S um, was on the national team has played at some world cups. Daniel Gazdog is probably your J- Jalen Hurts. He's a Hungarian midfielder, probably the most talented guy on the field. And then Kai Wagner is your Fletcher Cox, uh, underrated but elite defender. I love this. I love this. This, this is so great. You went to odd sums and keep rolling. Uh, Orlando City is my Buffalo Bills. So I've never won an MLS mm. Cup before. Probably not the number one favorite, but a significant contender. Um, and they're getting hot at the right time. Facundo Torres is their best player, so he's going to be Josh Allen in this metaphor. Uh, Duncan McGuire, I'm going to fit in another Omaha reference, went to Creighton, played college soccer at Creighton. Um, He's just a stud that can find the goal slash end zone in this metaphor. Atlanta United is my Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Relatively recent champion. They won the 2018 MLS Cup. They have a high-scoring Greek guy, Georges Yakomakis. He has 15 goals this season. And they have found their Damian Lillard in Tiago Almada. He became the first active MLS player to win a World Cup with Argentina this last year. He leads the league in assists, so maybe not a great Lillard uh, comparison there. Um, not, not, maybe this year. You never know. Inter-Miami is your 2020 Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were complete trash, utter garbage before, worse in the league. Then they had the GOAT, like... We could argue greatest of all time in the NFL till the cows come home. It's probably Brady. I'm not happy about that. Lionel you know, Messi's level of the greatest of all time is nowhere near that level of debate. Like it is unquestioned. You're, you're gonna have some like Cristiano Ronaldo stands who are weird or maybe Portuguese. Don't listen to that. Like Lionel Messi plays soccer on a higher plane of existence than any human being in the history of our like existence. To have him in MLS. He's 36, but he still plays like he's in his prime. Like he's won. He's achieved everything you possibly could in soccer. It is so much fun to have him as a part of this and has kind of changed a little bit. The conversation around soccer in this country was just cool. So they immediately went on an insane winning streak as soon as he got here. So they won the inaugural Leagues Cup. So bear with me. We're going to get even more nerdy. This is the first year of this competition. This was basically every – it's kind of like an in-season tournament, honestly. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. every MLS team and every team from Mexico just in like a World Cup-style tournament. Miami won every single game, and they won the championship, which is pretty cool. They actually still missed the playoffs this year because they were so bad in the league before that. And then he got, Messi got just kind of an overuse injury towards the end of the year, and they just like couldn't make up the ground. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see his impact on the game here for, I would imagine, a couple years to come. They've qualified for the the CONCACAF Champions Cup next year. It's going to be fun. going to be fun to watch. Hopefully, they get to a Club World Cup, and we have Messi playing for Inter-Miami against, you know, your giants of the game across the world. My final comparison to you, my final gift to you, oh, no. DC United is the Washington Wizards, oh. not just in location. <laughs> and this hurts me, too. Because I'm a huge DCI fan. A once great team that is just currently without a direction, just stuck in the purgatory of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. 
often have interesting stars. You have your John Walls, your Bradley Beals. Like right now on the roster, Christian Benteke is a great striker from Belgium. Matthias Click is a really productive midfielder. Roster construction around them is just nonsense. They literally don't have a GM right now, which is basically the equivalent of having Ernie Grunfeld, I'm assuming. They just want to make you rip your hair out. Uh, DC United is the Wizards. You're welcome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that hurt. That hurt. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't do Wizards right now. I can't do it. Andy, that was incredible. Um, that was a ton of fun. I hope because it, it made me want to do it. You 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 and Dom make me want to watch soccer more than just when I go to my in-laws house. Um it doesn't it doesn't always actually end up happening when when after I listen to the podcast, but I always want to when I'm listening and I get outside and I, I kick a ball around with my one and a half year old daughter who can't really do it and I'm just yelling at her the way you yell during the podcast. I'm like, "Why aren't you doing this?" Um and it's a ton of fun. So I hope everybody that's listening right now, first off, is going to go subscribe to Because CONCACAF. And that is spelled just like it sounds. And it's all caps and it's really fun. But just go. The link will be in the episode description. Go subscribe to that. Listen to Impassioned Rants About Soccer um, every week. I mean, you guys kind of more release on a on a soccer when soccer's happening. Yeah, it's kind of sporadic. Right? So yeah. just make sure you go and subscribe. That way you know every time a single episode comes out. Um, make sure you're following Andy and Dom on Twitter. I will post that as well uh, for other random rants about really anything, which is always great. Um, DC sports fandom, misery, and Ted Lasso uh, thoughts and, and feelings. That was that was a while ago, but it still hurts. Um, that, that was great. And also... If you just enjoy, if you've made it through this whole podcast and you enjoyed that last segment there, check out the MLS playoffs. Go, go, go watch, you know, a game or two, check it out. Uh, um, it'd be fun to see this sport continue to grow here, here in the U S for sure. So we would love that. Andy, anything else you want to say or plug any other crazy references you have written down that you want to get out before we call it a night? Uh, I don't think so. I appreciate all the plugs. Um, we yes. have a, we have a good time. I usually sign off with soccer is the best because it's just it's a fun, pure game and it's just super chaotic. And it's especially in like this region and just like the weirdness of American soccer is just chaos. And if you are a, if you are a sicko who appreciates the Sacramento Kings, you will probably it's not for everyone, but you will probably appreciate the niche stuff we talk on our podcast. Um, no, man, this is a ton of fun. I'm glad, I'm glad we did this. Absolutely. Yep. We will definitely do it again at some point. Not if the Packers beat the Steelers in another Super Bowl anytime soon, though. Um, but thank you so much, Andy, for coming on. Thank you, everyone out there for listening. We will talk to you again next week. Have fun and be safe out there.